but I found that I was falling into this sort of trap of over planning but really I was actually running away from the fears of taking action I feel like those fears were there for a number of reasons maybe a lack of confidence lack of experience lack of self-belief so I used to find comfort in planning studying locking myself in in the room and just being like you know what I think it's my skill that's going to help me a lot through this process so I'd go harder on my skills I'd read the I'd read the books, I'd, I'd, I'd do the online courses, YouTube videos to try and get my skills up in the comfort of my own home, in the comfort of my, my own room, uh, warm and <laughs> safe from all the, all the actions that Not needed to... Not putting yourself out there. Exactly. But now that I've found that I was getting very little results from the over planning, now I feel like I've done the complete flip. So I'd say I'm about 80% actions, 20% planning. And I actually enjoy now just sort of throwing myself in the deep end and just working it out. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, balancers, and welcome back to another episode of The Balance Theory podcast. This is a month of first, so some of you may have tuned into our guided meditation with Tom Sullivan last week. And in continuing the theme of double episodes and a jam-packed birthday month, I've also taken it upon myself to interrogate, well, not really, just interview some of the key people in my life as second guests for every week. And so to kick it off, I've got my wonderful partner, Anj, or some of you may know him as Angelo. I must admit, sitting at our dining table, which is where I actually record my podcast because the apartment's quite small. So it acts as like a nice little sound box, but recording it where we normally sit down and just catch up and unwind. It did take a couple of minutes to get in the zone. And I think he said to me afterwards, like halfway through, he just like zoned out when I was talking and I was like, great. It's just like another night at the kitchen table. You're just tuning into how you normally are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But we, we actually did have a lot of fun recording this one. He actually has so much value to give, so I'm really glad he did finally come on. Just for a little bit of background, he is a chiropractor and has in the last few years started his own business, which has brought with it a myriad of challenges, problems, and lessons. But of course, in and amongst all that growth, he still has a lot of nerdy insight into the human body in and of itself. So we do talk a little bit about the pain perception, which is something he shared with me quite a few years back and really helped me rewire my relationship with my body and pain specifically. So if you're someone who gets niggles or lower back pain or just, you know, like postural issues every now and again, you'll really like this segment. It helps you rethink about how your body's trying to speak to you. Then we go into a little bit more juicy life topics. So we talk a little bit about why and how to rewire failures as success which is something he's really, really helped me adopt. So every time I feel like I have a little bit of a setback or something's not really gone my way, he's the first person to sit down and really help me assess and put things into perspective of why that's happened to me and what I can actually take from it. Because it's really only a failure if you let it happen again. So I really owe it to him as to why I feel like my resilience is so good and my ability to bounce back and really critically analyze negative situations. So thank you, Anj. Another thing we talk about is taking action over planning. So we'll dive into the story, but a lot of you may not know his actual involvement in me starting the podcast. And I mean, obviously I had a lot to do with it too, but I think if it wasn't for two isolated events, which both involved him, we may not be here today. So that's another thing we have to thank for him. And it all revolves around taking action over planning. 
We also talk a little bit about the notion of success, how it's a shifting concept, obviously means something different to every single person, but we talk about another closely linked concept, which is actually a lot more important than success and rewiring how you view this as an end goal and rather viewing it as sort of part and parcel of the process. I am actually so stoked to be sharing with you conversations and insights into the people who are nearest and dearest to me in my life. I will also have my sister and my best friend on in the next few weeks. So when I talk about my top five, these are three of those five people. So it's really exciting for me to be sharing a little bit of that personal circle with you all. And I know you're going to get a lot out of all of our conversations. I also want to take this opportunity because I know he's actually going to be listening to this episode to thank you, Anj being an incredible support in my life your perspective is so refreshing and you always seem to know what to say so thank you so much all right i'll cut the cheesiness out now let's jump straight into the episode all right a little bit of a change in tune this week i have the honor of inviting one of my favorite people or i should say my favorite person in the world onto the podcast i've got my partner Anj, or most of you would know him as angelo on today welcome Thank you for finally having me. I <laughs> know it's been a while in the making. Um, and before I dive into a little bit about who you are and what you do, I do want to share the story of how this whole podcast came to be because not a lot of people may know, but if it wasn't for your input and do you remember that drive that one day? Yeah, and then there was also another incident with the microphone getting the microphone out. If it wasn't for those two things, I don't think we'd be here today talking. So I think it's very fitting if we start with that origin story. Yeah, definitely. Now, that you've said that as well. Um, there is something that I do want to talk about that is going to feed nicely into this anyway, the whole idea of that planning and, sorry, over planning versus taking action. But we'll get back to that. We'll loop back to it. We'll loop back to it. Um, yeah, so what, it was after New Year's Eve, we went to Wagolga with a group of friends and it was like an eight hour drive in the car on the way home. And we thought, why not let's mix it up for a little bit and listen to some Gary V. Um, he had an awesome, segment on oh more so it was like this idea of if you really hold the skills of communication if you're someone that is really good communicator then you should be i guess gaining the attention or getting your message across through a podcast and instantly i thought well that's definitely erica like you're definitely a really good communicator you've always been a really good speaker even in your writing your essay writing the amount of essays that you've helped me with back in the and uni text. days <laughs> and texts and and um, even like copy for a lot of our branding stuff that we've done at modus so instantly paused the podcast and said this is something that definitely you definitely need to look into but don't give me all the credit as well because the second i said that to you as well your eyes lit up and you actually took ownership and you took the initiative as well and said you know what it's something that I've thought about and it's something that I do think I, I could actually do. And I feel like though that wasn't the first time you had said it. I feel like we had spoken about it in the past, like we'd floated it, but it sort of went over my head. But there was something about that drive. I think we were like goal setting, obviously listening to Gary V. We were like geeing ourselves up, basically like full on adrenaline pump, like, yep, going to crunch this year. Like it was January 2nd. It was also it 2020, the... so start of the new decade. Yep, yep, we were full G'd up. And he just basically said to me, like, you should do a podcast. And I was like, totally calm about it. I was like, yeah, I should. And then from there... Well, that in the same car ride, we spent the majority of that trip trying to think of potential the guests, the names, how you wanted to structure the guests, yep. all that type of stuff. Yeah, a lot of brainstorming to see what you see today. And then... From that, I guess, I guess it took me a few months to do the research, to start the Instagram, to get the name, all of that, got the mics. And it was probably like up till March. 
And I still Maybe hadn't recorded. Mm. Maybe even later because it wasn't until we had the boys from Run Day they wanted to start a, a new segment or they they launched their Spotify account. That's right. Yeah. And part of the Spotify segment, they wanted to reach out to a few of the people that have helped them out in the past with their events. Um, so they reached out to myself and said, we'd love you to give us a quick five-minute blog or 10-minute blog, whatever it was, but they actually wanted me to speak it out. And that was what, based on motivation or planning or something like that, can't really remember. But it wasn't until I got the mics out and set them up <laughs> and actually... I recorded my first audio, which I was, I shit myself doing, um, which I think that sort of led you to sort of take that action as well. Because I remember plenty of times I said, let's just set the mic out and let's just do it. And you're like, no, I wanted to make sure I got this right, this right, this right. Yeah, there was a lot of hesitation and like, I'm not ready. I don't know enough. Like, and then when you pulled it out, I was like, oh, it's that simple. Like, I think I was making all these excuses. Like, it's just so hard to set it all up and like get the audio right. And like, I just don't know enough. And then you did it. And I was like... That was the second catalyst moment where I was like, I've just got to do it. Like, yeah, and here we are. And here we are. So if you guys do love the podcast and have been following for a long time, you do have Anj to thank in part for that. So I did want to open with that because I don't know if a lot of you would know that story. And I think it's a nice way to introduce Anj, not only as my partner, but someone who's been a big part of this journey as well. So okay. we will come back to the you know, taking action versus over planning concept. We'll loop back to it in a sec. But just for those who are listening who may not know you that well, may not follow you on socials, do you want to share a little bit about, I guess, what you do with your life other than be obsessed with me? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, full name's Angelo Campanello, uh, sports chiropractor, and I'm also the owner of uh, Cairo Massage Physio Clinic called Modus. So we set out to sort of be a little bit different in the health space. Um, originally, it started with this idea that a lot of traditional medical practices, whether it's a GP, podiatrist, chiro, physio, whatever it is, it's got this whole notion of getting someone from you know, sick to not sick. That's how I sort of used to see it. It was this real sterile environment, um, carpet floors, sort of really white lights, very clinical, clinical sterile. A lot of... Uh, how do you say it? Like the doctors were always, always held in sort of high regard. There was that sort of barrier and that boundary between doctor and client. Um, something that I've just seen over the years as well. And I just thought, you know, as a new business owner, that gave me the opportunity to sort of link a lot of things I really enjoyed and bring them into the, into the medical field, which wasn't traditionally there. Mm. So we obviously took, take a lot of pride into the fit out and, the, the look of our, of, our, of our space. We wanted to tie in a lot of the natural light, a lot of the earthy sort of grounding features, the natural light, the timbers, the plants. But um, think like a very cool Nike change room type vibe. Yeah. <laughs> underground. No, it's not really underground. It's like very sleek. Very sleek. The lighting, the colors, something very welcoming, even like the music that's being played, yeah. the, way, the way that we down dress ourselves into just the t-shirts um, the way we even talk and communicate with our clients, we treat a lot of our clients like friends. Um, and we don't want to be, we want to be seen as just that, that guy that you have in the corner, or that girl that you have in the corner, that's just going to help you along your journey, mm. along with your health needs. Part of your health team, basically, rather than like this, you know, doctor that's out of reach, you can't like lean your shoulder on. Yeah, exactly. So we started Modus in May. Like originally, we started Modus in May. Uh, 2019 from mum and dad's granny flat. Mm. Um, Always had a humbling, story starts. Humbling beginnings. So 
we had a weekend to set that up from a Friday and started on the Monday and then we had everyone coming up the side of the house along the along the side straight into the, the granny flood at the back um, where we had a little I had a little gym set up there back there when I was living at mum and dad's um, and then had the treatment table set up so it was a really cool cool vibe already there with the natural light we had the pool in the background um, and whilst I was there I was sort of looking for a new place in Concord found a really nice place because one of the key things I was looking for was a lot of natural light mm. um, and then whilst I was there at mum and dad's uh, treating my existing client base then I sort of shifted everyone over once we did the fit out to the new location in Concord so that's the primary focus growing the business growing the brand and all the fun stuff and the challenges that come along with that um, which I wouldn't change for a thing the business having the business there has taught me more than I think I'd ever could learn on my own elsewhere without the business has been a big catalyst to sort of push myself and challenge myself mm. and um, me. <laughs> and you as well um, we've got training is a big aspect of my life as well um, and the other part that I don't really talk too much about is the investing side which he's a full-blown uh, nerd yeah so and that that takes up a lot of my time in in the background if it's not modus and it's not training then it's a lot of researching um, a lot of reading up on uh, new investment types and all that type of stuff too which again that's a juggling act between the three of those things as well cool so when you were studying to become a Cairo I mean I know that story I know that story very well you were going to become a physio and then someone sort of steered you in a different direction I think a lot of people have misconceptions about what chiropractors do and I think to explain your approach one thing you said to me a long time ago which has always stuck with me is this pain perception the idea of um, people's relationship with pain and what it actually means because I think people are scared of pain they see it in a negative way but I think you really opened my eyes to what it means and I think it really expresses nicely the foundation for how you treat and how you view I guess injuries so would you care to share that with everyone because I'm sure they'd get a lot out of hearing it too yeah of course <clears throat> but just, just before I go into that concept of pain I did want to say that um, the reasoning for choosing Cairo wasn't because I know it's still in this industry now, which is, it's a shame to see there still is that sort of conflict or internal battle between chiro and physio, which is slowly, slowly, um, I think everyone's sort of getting over that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, originally I did get into physiotherapy, um, but then I met a chiropractor. His name was uh, Ben. We met him in Fiji. And he pretty much, after a few drinks on New Year's Eve, after my HSC, he sort of sat me down and gave me his biased opinion on why he believes Cairo was a lot, a lot, uh, well, pre his preferred practice over physio. Um, the main reason why I did choose Cairo as well was mainly because of this idea that he said that, you know, that this day and age, a lot of Cairo's and physios are moving towards the same direction, except he feels that as a Cairo, you learn that skill of adjusting, which you can apply later on um, in your, in your, in your practice, whichever direction you want to take it. So that was something that really sat, sat with me and said, okay, this is something that I view as a skill, something that I believed wasn't, it wasn't the easiest thing to learn in a weekend course um, once I did graduate, mm. if I did choose to go, continue down that physio path. So then that's why I moved into uh, the Cairo side of things. But in saying that too, I've got a lot of physio friends, a lot of really good physios in the field. But yeah, in regards to the pain science and how that governs a lot of the a lot of the thinking that's involved when I am approaching each session. So 
obviously pain is a big point that people come to me. A lot of my clients come because obviously they've got some sort of discomfort and pain. Uh, when we do talk about pain, I do like to classify that in two different categories. We've got on one side, damage. This is the people that, you know, they've had some sort of trauma, they've fractured a leg, they've ripped a ligament completely apart. Um, you know, there's, if you were to take, I'm not going to say imaging, because that's a whole other discussion that we can get into later. But typically, this is someone that's had some sort of disruption to their tissues, like fracture, muscle tears, or uh, ligament tears, or something like that. So no matter what I do, that person's in for a bit of a recovery process. There's, mm-hmm. there's a journey involved in that. There's patients involved with that, because we're now not only getting the assistance from the practitioner, but that that client individually has to just be patient, let that recovery process of their own body take place. On the other hand, we've got sensitivities. I actually find sensitivities is what I treat majority of the time. I'd say eight out of 10 of the cases that I cu- that come into me are these clients that are dealing with sensitivities. And what this does is, that look like? This is that classic case or that classic sort of pain discomfort where clients don't really know where it came from. Um, it comes and goes. So like one of the hallmark questions that I might ask a client is, you know, what's the pain out of 10, even though it's a very generalized uh, way of describing the pain scale. And we know that pain is so multi multifactorial and so dependent on different factors. But these are the people that would come in and say, oh, today it's a 10 out of 10 pain. Um, but yesterday it's weird. It was like a, a one out of 10, you know, but, but, but last weekend I actually didn't have any pain before at all. But the week before that, I was like a nine out of 10. I couldn't even walk properly or it was really bothering me. So this could be like your random lower back pain or like wrist pain every now and again, like just anything that's sort of inconsistently painful. Yes, yes and no. Um, it's, It's the pain that I feel like is heavily clouded by a lot of our lifestyle factors. It could be overload. It could be the stress that we're dealing with in our life. It could be previous history. It could be like previous, uh, previous injuries that we've carried. Um, the lifestyle choices, overloading through sitting, um, not getting enough sleep, not drinking enough water, not eating the right foods, the perceptions that we have of our injuries and of our bodies as well. These things will then slowly, slowly lay on top of exactly compounds. A nice little thing that I like to think about with this is the, the bucket model, which in the chirophysio world, it's something that's I'm, I'm sure most of the practitioners are aware of. So if we take an individual like yourself, we've got the bucket. Your bucket pretty much represents all your intrinsic factors that may affect recovery. So this could be your bone density, it could be your age, it could be previous medical history, your genetic history. When we look at the top of the bucket, we've got all these things that fill the bucket up, which is all the external stress. This could be all those things that I just mentioned. So the lack of sleep, the stress, the the stress about your work, finances, um, physical stress, overloading with training, overloading with posture. Um, Any lifestyle Lifestyle choices, things. Yeah. Um, and like I said, previous injuries, all that type of stuff. Um, at the bottom of that bucket, we've got the recovery strategies. So most people know what makes them feel good and makes them feel rested, but this is, again, your rehab, the massages, getting enough sleep, getting enough water, managing the stress, um, which is a big one. Um, again, looking at the overload, the positions that you're in, um, all that type of stuff. And I often find that these clients or these patients that come in with a sensitivity type based injury, these are the ones that have reached that sort of overload. Right. Their buckets overflowed. Their buckets, yeah, overflowed. And it might have led to, you know, these are the people that came in and said, as well that you know i just i don't understand i was doing a 200 kilo deadlift three weeks two weeks ago and today i literally just bent down to pick up my shoes and my back's gone i can't even i can't even walk now um 
So in regards to that sensitivity, I find it's when you're overloaded, the body will find certain uh, will be more sensitive to certain movements and will find certain things more thre- more threatening than they normally are right. or what they appear to be. So this idea of sensitivity basically on is what I'm what I'm trying to say is your body perceives something as threatening, which can be elicit or can be emphasized with all these lifestyle lifestyle factors that come in. But because it finds it threatening, it's going to elicit a pain response because that's how the body communicates from the brain to obviously the body. Right. And this is where the whole pain perception comes in. Yeah, exactly. So obviously our body doesn't talk to us in English in the language (laughs) that we're commonly familiar with. So it has to talk to us in another way. And generally that's through that pain response. So, you know, like the classic example of you putting your hand on a hot plate when you're younger, burning the hand off, you've experienced that pain. Now, when you're older, you might be resting on the hot plate, even though it's off but the body will elicit that same response because it's fearful of what could possibly happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this as well where these people that come in with these sensitivity-based injuries, you ask them, how did it happen? Got no idea. Woke up one morning and my back started playing up. But if you can generally recall your, your steps just like you've lost the keys to your car, mm. then it, it's like, yep, well, Friday I had a massive deadline um, for work. My kids have been sick for the past two weeks and I've been getting really little sleep. Um, we're struggling a little bit with the finances and on Sunday I had to set up for or on Saturday hypothetically I had to set up for a big event at home which required a lot of lifting blah 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 blah. Sunday morning they wake up and the body's like you know what screw you this is too much you've gone to that tipping point at least it's that pain response because it's trying to communicate how it didn't like that Mm -hmm. Um, and something needs to change. So it's not so much that you're injured at that point it's it's more a case of like reframing that pain and saying that's your body's communication to say like we're trying to let you know that we're getting to breaking point yeah and sometimes it happens sooner than others sometimes um people don't aren't actually aware of those warning signs so this Mm. is obviously and it can present itself as a little niggle it can present itself as that tightness Mm. um all those little things that most of us are aware of but we just sort of push through we ignore we get a little bit of tightness in the back but you still got to get up, you still got to train, you still got to run your business, you still got to do the things of your day to day, where sometimes that those uh, messages that the body's given you takes the back seat until until it breaks and you think, how the heck did this actually happen? Yeah. You retrace your steps and you start to learn. Yeah. And the reason I love this and I, I love when you talk, shared this with me is because I feel like the concept of pain is so debilitating and it's something that is so like negative. But I feel like in understanding this, you can reframe and go, well, this is actually my body taking care of me it's showing me that i need to pay more attention to this part of my body and when you do get those inconsistencies i think that's also a sign that it's not quite at that point where it's like ongoing pain like you've taken it too far like if it's still at that inconsistent point you probably it's probably still like those warning signs yeah pretty much and just in regards to how we actually deal with these type of people when you know that the pain is contributed heavily by their lifestyle factors and these biopsychosocial factors then that obviously governs the treatment approach because now I'm not in, I'm no longer in a situation where, all right, you've got back pain, lie down, and we just give you a massage. Mm. This is something that's going to be, obviously, one, we've got to address these lifestyle factors where we can. We've got to make the client be very aware of how their sleep's affecting their pain perception, um, the, the amount of water that they're drinking, the amount of stress that they're, they're carrying, their diet, their sleep. Um, but as well, these are the type of clients that would significantly benefit from sort of sort of a strengthening approach Mm. do you know what i mean because if there's someone that's dealt with maybe lower back injuries in the past and now all of a sudden they've had a really shit night of sleep 
they're not drinking enough water, their kids are stressed, all that type of stuff, and their body's finding a threat, uh, threatening to move in that plane of motion to pick up their shoes or pick up a bag and then the back goes, then that's someone who might benefit a lot more from actually teaching them how to make those movements, strengthening those movements mm. um, while actually addressing those lifestyle factors and trying to make them more aware. Yeah, and I love that because it's looking at your areas of balance and, and using re- kind of reframing your approach to pain by looking at each of those areas, so your healthy relationships and your fulfillment areas, you know, like where can we recalibrate so that the pain, you know, doesn't keep popping up and sort of giving you warning signs. Um, we might move on from this little nerdy chat, but I just really wanted to share that because it was something you mentioned to me a few years back that I loved. So thank you for sharing that. I think it plays nicely into the concept of balance as well, and what we're looking at our own bodies and, you know, not just thinking, oh, I've got lower back pain and sort of looking at that in an isolated way. It's a nice way to look holistically yeah. at everything. But in saying that as well, like the perception of pain is a big one too, because that's the other thing that contributes to, even when we go into the stages of chronic pain, acute versus chronic, chronic being obviously a longer duration of pain. One of the big contributing factors I find is these people that once they get the pain, they start to go down that negative spiral, that downward spiral of um, negative behaviors, negative thought processing. Their perception of pain is very bad, very negative. Um, so like I said, when it comes to pain, if you sort of reframe it in the way in, in the way where you know, this is a, a message from my body. It's trying to communicate me. My body loves me so much that it's actually trying to tell me something. Mm. So I don't, pu- I don't push past and I don't cause more damage. Um, I just find that's a, nice, a nicer way to approach pain. And as well, it's, it makes the healing process, it makes the whole dealing with pain a lot easier for the individual as well. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a good way to recalibrate your balance too. And on that note, um, obviously, you hear me go on about the different meanings of balance and what so many amazing guests have sort of shared with me and their approach to balance and my ongoing and changing thoughts about it. But I'd love to know, I guess, what your perception of balance is in light of all of that and on your own (laughs) terms. Balance for me is definitely something that's a little bit more fluid. Um, I feel like balance comes in these ebbs and flows and you sort of cycle back and forward through the main things in your life, whether it's work, which we see is like that fulfillment aspect which I'll come back to later, which is why I find it a little bit hard to balance. Um, obviously, between relationships with you and myself, um, parents, friends, family, that continual learning, which is something that's a big driver for both of us. Um, and obviously our health, which comes into all of it. Um, but it is balance is definitely something that is challenging for myself because of the work part and the, the fulfillment part. Because I've always sort of really enjoyed growing the brand's modus, um, the investing side of things, I've really enjoyed the whole process and the challenges that come with it. It's something that I've constantly feel that I give a lot of my time to, and it's something that I actually struggle to pull away from because I actually enjoy, enjoy it so much. So balance for me is sort of, I guess, doing the things that are giving me the most fulfillment and like I said, sort of, there are, there are times where I do realize it is getting a bit too much and I do feel like I can pull back from that. And by pulling back, I mean, hanging out with you more doing more with you, hanging out with the friends, taking Kobe for a walk, which is my dog or the family dog, um, hanging out with mum and dad as well, because seeing them is always, always nice as well. Um, but yeah, it's always been a challenge for myself because of how much enjoyment I get out of, out of the work side of things. Well, I'm sort of glad you said that because 
like literally everything we're trying to do here with the podcast is to empower people to own that balance. So rather than say, you know, balance is hard for me because I love doing this. It's about reframing and saying, well, my balance right now is putting a lot in my fulfillment area. Like I always say on the podcast, like we don't have kids yet. We're in this phase where we can dedicate the time to those things. And actually a few weeks ago, I did talk about you and your concept of balance, you know, where most people would look at you and go, you you are not balanced at all. Like you just work so much. You're just always training all this stuff, but it's like, what else would you want to be doing? You want to do those things. And when you want to spend time with your family, you spend that time with your family. When you want to spend time with me, you do. And obviously that's not to say you don't have days where you feel overwhelmed and you're in a bit more of a negative headspace and all those things. But, you know, it's about owning the fact that you do want to spend a lot more of your time in that fulfillment area. And that's just where your life is at right now. It's about owning that rather than feeling guilty or feeling like, you know, I should pull away from it, but I'm not going to or anything like that. So this sort of leads me to ask those days you do have, you know, when you come home late because you've had to stay back with a client and then I know I can see you stressing out because you want to have dinner with me, but then you want to do like your research and then you've got to have your own time as well. Cause we make a big deal about, you know, have, sometimes we just look at each other and we know like tonight's a night, not for us to bond. Like it's, you just got to be on your own. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to bed early. We just know like that's that sort of night. But then you do have those moments where you're like, Oh, but we want to spend time together. So what, what's kind of your thing to reground yourself or, or to just bring yourself back down when you feel like it's getting a little bit too much. So first of all, I feel like it gets a little bit too, it does get a little bit too much at times just because uh, I guess it's our nature to take a lot on. Um, and then it starts snowballing, starts snowballing. We get stuck in this, uh, in these notions of we're enjoying this. This is fun. Let's book in more. Let's book in more. And then it gets to a point where it's like, all right, crap. I think we've actually taken on too much. We've now. done it again. We look and, at our calendar yeah. and there's way too much in there. So <laughs> just thinking about it now, a lot of this overwhelming stuff happens because we are very we're, we're both planners we plan a lot because of what we have on with our businesses and all that type of stuff um, but things get overwhelming once the spontaneous things uh, spring so uh, pop in pop up into our life whether it's an auntie's birthday or it's all the events outside of your our mom's direct, or your mum's yeah. coming down from perth or yeah whatever it is and so we've already got our structure and our plans but now we're like hold on a second now we've got these important things that we also have to fit into this busy weekend that we've created for ourselves. There's no room um, for life to happen. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Not that's the great thing. <laughs> yeah. But in those times when we do find ourselves overwhelmed, I think the first thing that we do is sit down, look at our calendar and actually reassess what, what, what the hell, yeah, what the hell are we actually doing here? Is this actually important? Is this not important? Cause both you and I have actually mentally prioritized what is important in our life. So when it does get to that, that point of the cycle, because it is a cycle, it comes up and down and we always pack it on, then take it off, then pack it on, mm. then take it off. When we get to that point of the cycle, it's sort of, I think we've gotten really good now at realizing, okay, what's not important right now? What what can, what can wait? wait? What can we push back to make more time for each other, mm. make more time for our, fam- our family, our friends and all that type of stuff. But for me to ground myself, it's a little bit funny to be saying this on the podcast, but one thing that we do is obviously I'll come home from work. It's been a big day. It's been a big few weeks or whatever it is. Well, literally no computers, no phones. We will, I'll come in for the second half of cooking because you've already cooked the majority of the, of the meal, setting up the table. Um, then we have a bit of a dance party. We might play some music <laughs> and actually dance around the apartment. Um, 
and then even just wind down for a walk or just watch a movie just something that's actually a bit brainless yeah something that doesn't require too much just takes thought. us out of our what yeah. we normally do even just like i think at that point reading or listening to like a gary Vee would be too much like it's yeah. not it's yeah. too linked to what we're doing yeah definitely but now that i've said all that i've actually just come back and remembered the, the actually the biggest thing that i think really does ground us is gratitude mm. and it's a bit of a uh, nothing new nothing yeah you nothing new heard nothing that you haven't heard on this podcast as well i'm sure that like with your uh segment that you did specifically on gratitude but it is super important to us because once everything it does become overwhelming just actually honing in and focusing on mm. what is important in our life and what we are grateful for what we've already have achieved what we um the friends and the family that and the people that we do have in our lives it really just puts everything into perspective and i feel the rest is just noise. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's all it's all noise. It's all white noise. And at the end of the day, we've actually got a really solid uh, group of friends and family and connections and support around us. Mm. And that's that's really grounding for myself. Yeah. And I think I think what's great is like when I'm in a I come home and I've had like a really bad day, but like you're in a great mood. It's good because you really help me reframe that and vice versa. I think the challenge we have is when we're both when we both had a crappy day. That's, I think, when we like just branch off and have our own time. Yeah. <laughs> and I think and that's actually, no, I think it's actually a really important thing. Like, we, I don't know what people think, like, when you live together, but like, it's actually important to not be with each other all the time. Even like, we've got a very small apartment, but even to just be like, I'm going to go read and you just stay up, like, in the living room and watch your stuff. Like, just we know when to be separate. So I think that's also yeah. very important to honor each other's space. But no, all great tips. Love that. I think I'd like to go into a little bit now more into like life topics. So things that have come up for both of us over the last few years. So we've been together five and a half years now. So I think it's been an interesting five year stint. Like we've, when we met, we were both at uni. We hadn't even thought about having our own businesses and like five years down the track, I think we played like a big role in each other's growth. And so I think combined um, we've got like a couple themes or topics that keep coming up for us. And a big one that I think you and I both have dabbled in quite a lot is this idea of rewiring failures as success. Um, I love this quote of you either win or you learn. So like failing is not really an option. And that's yeah. something you've always really helped me put in perspective. Like when I'm not happy with something or I'm finding something really hard to sort of get a grip on, you, you try and you really helped me reframe like what am I going to learn or what's this situation teaching me? Why is it presenting itself in my life? So I guess what I want to ask you is what's your biggest, and I'm going to put this in quotation, failure and in turn, like what's been the greatest lesson from it? So this one, like I have been asked this before just in conversation and I actually struggled to look at it. I actually like, I really, really do struggle to look at it as a failure because in regards, when I when I think of failure, I think of like I've literally just been like I, I look at failure as more as competition because I do come from that sort of competitive background in in, in sports. Failure is a loss, um, but when you are in business, I guess that loss will correlate to maybe obviously a loss of uh, of the revenue or just some sort of big loss. That's for me what failure is. Um, but in regards to losses, they haven't like I haven't. I, from the top of my head, I can't really think of big things that I've gone through with the business so far, but they've all been, we've had some serious challenges, um, which... But, but I think most people may call some of those things failures, but you don't. And that's why you're struggling to identify it. Yeah. Like I just want to make that clear because 
like I'm not saying that you've failed, but I think because you naturally see things as lessons and every time something happens, it's a challenge. It's a hurdle. It's not like a stop sign. That's why you're struggling to find yeah. a quote failure. And, and don't get me wrong. Like when I think about it now, when, when we did initially find out about these challenges before they arose, I definitely did feel down, down in the gutters. I did feel that sort of uh, nervousness, the butterflies, the anxiety, like what am I going to do here? Mm, what is, what's the next steps? Yeah. Who do I, who, who has been here before? Who can I reach out to? Mm. And you're sort of scrambling to sort of find just that next step. But then once the ball gets rolling, you're like, you know what? This is the path that we're taking. This is a lesson that I'm going to learn. How do I avoid uh, this? How do I avoid this whole situation again? Mm. I, and that's another good point as well. That I think I think it, for me, it's failure if I let it happen a second time. Yeah, and if you don't sort of take lessons from it. But yeah. I think a, a critical point in that is actually just letting yourself feel shitty about it. Really, yeah. it's it's letting yourself feel like that. You know, if you're feeling that the anxiousness if you're not sure if you're just like taken aback and shocked like just letting yourself process that because you don't process that you can't sort of then take the next step which is moving on and learning from it you know if you kind of push it away and just pretend it didn't happen i think that's when it can go down the path of a failure or a loss yeah well it is actually it is if it is a loss because you don't you don't um own the opportunity or take the opportunity to learn something from it yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, that's a good way of putting or wrapping up, like sort of summarizing the idea of failure for me. Something happens and as a response, you sort of do nothing about it and you play the victim. Mm. Um, but again, something that we've both tried to practice is always look for that silver lining in everything. Mm. Um, one particular challenge that I had was with a, a previous staff member. Um, and like I said, in the, in the moment that, that you saw, like that caused a lot of stress, it caused a lot of sort of worry i just didn't know which approach to take it what was the right way to take it but from that one event alone we've now implemented the majority of the foundation to the business to help us scale to multiple clinics or multiple practices or whatever that is and it actually forced us to contemplate or prepare for situations we didn't even think we would need to prepare for you know what i mean like had it not been for that event we wouldn't have planned all these things that we've now actually utilized and will continue to do so yeah exactly so that's Obviously, hindsight is a beautiful thing when you look back on all these failures um, because you can see, okay, this was fail- this is challenge slash failure number one. This is the result of that. You know, there's always a sort of positive outcome that comes out of it. Um, but, and that's something that I've always sort of vocalized to you as well. Like life does come in these ups and downs. Um, you've got to ride the wave when, they're, when, it's on, when it's on the up. When it's on the down, it doesn't mean it's over. It just means you've got to go back into the building phase and, you know, lay the foundations so that when the next ride comes up, you can ride that wave even higher and longer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no, like challenges along the way, obviously with every new business owner, I'm sure they've gone through their stresses and their challenges, um, just learning as you go. Um, but just having that mentality that it actually isn't necessarily a failure per se if you take those actions and those necessary steps to overcome and learn from them and make sure they don't actually happen again or yeah. try to mitigate at least as best as you can. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, on the point of hindsight, it's like if you if you are going through something now, or if something does pop up in your week, and you you are feeling that helplessness, and you're sitting there and you just have no idea what to do, just know that you know if you just let yourself feel the feels, then you reflect and then you take action based off things you can learn or do better for the next time. Like there is an ownership piece there. Like sometimes you do stuff up, sometimes you just don't know, or you do the best that you you thought you could have done at the time. So it's about like taking that lesson and knowing that down the track, this will help you be in the position you're meant to be in. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And don't ask, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm. Like that's big a big one too. That I think you and I have no like no Issues embarrassment with. or no sort of hesitation to be asking the silly questions, which a lot of people, I'm, I'm sure we ask. We think they're silly questions, but you know we're very fortunate to have a, a good network of people in in our group that have walked this path before. Mm. Um, obviously, they're a lot older than us. So being able to have them to, to call up um, people in my field, other chiros that I really respect, um, being able to be in contact with them and ask them the questions. And because, you know, at the end of the day, there's other people that have walked this path or a similar path. Um, and obviously we can learn from a lot of other people's mistakes and, you know, navigate through them. And absolutely, so it's good to have a good support crew. Leverage off your circle. Absolutely. Yeah. Now we're going to circle back to the thing we opened with, which is taking action over planning. So I think if I spent any longer planning this podcast, it never would have happened. And if I look back at my very first episode versus like how I can just whip one out now or just like just a way, much different approach, the time it takes me to edit, all these things, like they are never things I could have brushed up on and, you know, been ready to go on my first episode. It's just stuff yeah. you learn as you go. And I think this whole concept can apply really yep. to anything that you start. And so, and I know this is like one of your biggest mantras, like just, just start, just do it. So the mic's yours. Yeah. So this idea of planning over taking action. Um, but yes, I'd like, I'd say these days I do take more action, but I never was like that. Mm. And I feel like over planning or being this perfectionist, which a lot of people We'll, we'll say you hear it all the time but I'm, a, but I'm a perfectionist and I want it to be perfect and it has I'm to be I'm not ready I'm not ready it has to be this way it has to be completely perfect in their eyes over planning can be a form of procrastination it can be a form of the easy way the comfortable thing to do which I definitely and don't get me wrong you need to plan there, there needs to be some sort of planning involved otherwise you're shooting an arrow into nowhere mm. um but you can get caught up in this this idea of over planning, which I definitely was a victim of when I first graduated, um, or towards my last year of Cairo, uh, even towards my first sort of first couple of months. Remember those uh, Instagram videos? How, yeah. How perfect? How like you had to get even them. uploading <laughs> on Instagram. Like I'd always be, it'd take me a day just to write a caption because I just wanted to be perfect. And what is what are these people going to think? What is, what is the the Cairo's that I look up to going to think, or the Cairo's in my in my year going to think? Mm. Is this correct? Um, without even thinking about who I'm actually writing this to, which I wasn't writing it to them. I was writing it to potential clients or my existing clients because mm-hmm. I know that that information could help them. But I found that I was falling into this sort of trap of over-planning, um, but really I was actually running away from the fears of taking action. I feel like those fears were there for a number of reasons, maybe a lack of confidence, lack of experience, lack of self-belief in myself. I think that's a big one that a lot of people will link to, lack yeah. of self-belief or self-doubt. Self-doubt, all that type of stuff. So I used to find comfort in planning, studying, locking myself in, in the room and just being like, you know what, I think it's my skill that's going to help me a lot through this process. So I'd go harder on my skills. I'd read the, I'd read the books. I'd, I'd, I'd do the online courses, YouTube videos to try and get my skills up in the comfort of my own home, in the comfort of my, my own room, uh, warm and safe from all the all the actions that not needed putting to, yourself out there exactly but now that i found that i was getting very little results from the over planning um, now i feel like i've done the complete flip so i'd say i'm about 80 percent actions 20 percent planning 
And I actually enjoy now just sort of throwing myself in the deep end and just working it out. Yeah. And what's the worst that's going to happen? I always tell myself, um, I always back myself now being like, you know, I, I know that I know the stuff that I do every single day. I'm talking about it every single day. Um, and I know that the information that I can give to a lot of people are going to help these people that aren't necessarily in the, in the field or mm. don't really have that awareness of their body or their health or anything like that. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. Like your skills or whatever it is that you do, what, what make, you know, whatever you do for work or whatever your special skill is, like you might think, oh, this is so mundane. It's so obvious, but you're in that field and you have to remember that people completely outside of it. Like if, if I told you the simplest stuff about podcasting, you'd be like, oh wow, that's information I didn't know. It doesn't mean it's like groundbreaking. I think it's like mundane as, but it's my skill. It's something I understand and I know. So don't think that you don't have something to offer. And just on that point, because not everyone is so comfortable just sort of throwing themselves out there. But that 80-20 rule, like 20% planning, you absolutely have to have some planning involved. Um, obviously not not suggesting you go and do a talk with zero planning. Like that would be silly because you yeah. do want to give value at the end of the day. But it's just about catching yourself out when you feel like it, it is borderlining on that procrastination. So... That's yeah. a really good point because I feel like a lot of people do sit in that comfort of I'm like the, the fear. They don't acknowledge it as fear. They brand yeah. it as I'm just not ready and I need to do more preparation. But I think it's about like really just sit down and be critical. Like at what point are you hiding that fear? I think subconsciously I've got Nike's powerful slogan in the back of my mind. <laughs> just do it. Literally just get up. Just do it. Take action. Throw yourself in the deep end. I always tell myself, what's the worst that's going to happen? Um, I'm mentally prepped for a lot of the things. So if anything out of the blue does happen that I'm, I'm worried about, that's going to be a very rare event. Um, and then just backing yourself once you've already thrown yourself in there. Yeah. And that's, that's a nice little segue because my next question is how do you back yourself? <laughs> how, how do, do back you back myself? yourself? Let's make how it personal. Back myself? Well, well, how did you get the confidence to back yourself? Because I mean, I didn't meet past you, but you, from what you tell me, you weren't always as confident of what is what you are now yeah so like confidence was something i feel like is my, my work has definitely helped me because in this sort of profession where you're dealing with multiple different personalities on the regular uh, multiple personalities throughout the week as well um, and in my field of work communication is such a big a big key that uh, is part of the whole treatment session. Mm. It's part of the plan. I need to be able to communicate the message to the individual, the clients that need help, but I also need to be confident about it as well. Yeah, that's how you build rapport um, as well. How do you build rapport? Uh, but going out and getting myself out there, that requires the confidence. So it was a slow start. Um, I do remember back in the day that when I was around this, like high school, I was, it's tough. Like I always tried to put myself out there, but I wasn't comfortable out there. Do you know what I mean? So I'd always be that guy that would, if we had a, a group event, I'd always be looking for that one person that I could go and sit down and talk to. Uh, and then once that conversation died out and they, they sort of left, I was like, oh shit, where am I going now? Like, who's the next person <laughs> I can sort of sit to and, 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 and talk to for the rest of the night? Which anyone listening who knows Ange will not find, will like find that very hard to believe because now you're the kind of person who's got attention of the whole circle, always has so many funny stories. Like you're a captivating person to chat with and i can say that after not being bored after five and a half years (laughs) but yeah so for anyone listening who's you know feeling that self-doubt creeping or or thinking like yeah i can do this i want to do this but not finding they can't back themselves to to actually follow i think it's the gap between wanting and desiring and then actually going for it and and pulling through i think is that gap 
in regards is, to uh, making that transition, it a lot of it does come down to just doing. Like as un, as uncomfortable as it feels, there's like everything that I'm sure, I'm sure you've done, everything that I've done, which has been new, is going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. We just we just don't know this because it's so new. There's just so many factors that can influence the direction of wherever that that event or that conversation or that job or whatever you're doing goes that you're just not aware of. So it's normal to feel that anxiety. But at the end of the day, it's it's very rare that something does go completely wrong or completely stuff up. Mm. And once you go get over that first event, you're like, oh shit, that wasn't even that bad. Mm. Like I just stressed out for, for a whole week leading up to this one event. <laughs> That's and, happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, and it happens... It happens, yeah, it happens often. And then you start to realize you have you end up building a few of these experiences and you're like, okay, well, far out, I've done 10 of these now. And now I'm comfortable. Now, like all 10 of them were pretty cruisy. Like I actually happened to get the message out to a few people. A few people came and spoke to me and said how much they enjoyed that bit, one bit of information. You get the same responses from inside the clinic or as, as you help people. And mm. then it's all these, I think, cumulative experiences that you sort of pick up along, the, along your life, along your career, mm. all that type of stuff. And then... It's about sort of coming back to them or building up a little memory bank or like what David Goggins says, that cookie jar. Mm. You have those memories where you can have uh, have them at easy access and you can just pull them out as you please to help sort of remember that you've been in this situation before, mm. you've handled it before. This is just, it's nothing new. Yeah, yeah. So, and on that point of like just doing it, sometimes you need to, this is going to be my two cents, sometimes you need to compartmentalize it. So for example, I'm going to bring it back to starting the podcast when, you know, I could have been sitting there going, all right, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to record. But really for me, it was a sequence of steps. So it was like firstly going to, well, firstly researching the equipment, then it was going out and buying the equipment. And then it was like planning my first episode, recording my first episode, etc. So Whilst for me, I felt like I, I was a little bit more slow. I was sitting in that fear for a while. I was still taking small steps. And I heard this thing a little while ago and they were talking about, um, I think I, I mentioned it a couple of weeks back, soft moves versus bold moves. So soft moves are those moves that are necessary, but they're not going to change you know, the trajectory of getting you started. The bold move is like what's going to really take things to the next level. So the soft move is like your research, doing all the planning, buying all your equipment, those sorts of things. The bold move is just doing it. So I think you need a a sequence of soft moves to underpin the bold move, but don't overdo it. Yeah, 100%. And like when it does come back to planning, you and I, like I said, I said earlier, we both plan. It's not like it's something that we don't do. We're Sunday night list writers. Yeah, but in in regards to the planning, on a Sunday, you're making the plan for the week. Then in the mornings of each day, you sort of just brush up on those things that you need to do. But then the majority of the day is taking action and actually executing those plans. Yeah. You need to have that end goal. You need to have smaller goals. And then you have, need to have those smaller tasks. That makes up the planning. But then the key ingredient is actually just going out and doing, which a lot of people, I just feel like it's just that's the hardest part that actually taking Absolutely. action. Absolutely. Yeah. So don't, don't sit there feeling guilty or like bad about yourself if that is you right now, because like we've all been there and we're, you know, there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be moments where I'm sure we'll be there in the future. Cause it's like one of those things where you build up that skill. So for example, with podcasting, right? Say I, I've built it up now. I feel comfortable interviewing people where it really would have made me nervous before, but say my next goal is to, I don't know, speak on the TED, TEDx stage. That's going to, you know, 
like shake me like crazy but then like once i do it and maybe do it a few times then like that will be the next level so you're just constantly building those blocks up slowly and it will continue to happen so it's about like fine-tuning those skills just wherever you are on your journey um getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and just i think it's really just catching yourself out on okay erica now you're like really procrastinating like it's time to take some serious action i just have a thought i don't know if it's too much uh, in regards of backing yourself but another thing that I remember reading in the David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me, was this idea of having a self-limiter. Do you know what I mean? So like when, in regards to actually pushing yourself and how much can you push, just when you feel like you've done enough or you've done too much or you're at your limit, there's always that little bit more that you sort of can do. Um, it's kind of like there's always room for dessert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no matter how much you have before, you can always, especially you can always make room. Um, but yeah, just knowing that you want to sort of constantly be pushing, constantly taking action when it does feel uncomfortable, just keep keep doing the uncomfortable to eventually be be comfortable mm. yeah. it will tr- yeah it will there will be a transition phase where the uncomfortable will become comfortable yeah, yeah. but even even, even still now like if i go and give one of these talks at a gym if i'm even doing a team meeting with um with my team like don't get me wrong i'm not immune to the nerves i'm not immune to that mm. bit of the butterflies in my stomach too but it's like once you get the ball rolling you're like i'm in i'm in my zone i'm comfortable but it's just that which I'm sure a lot of people experience, it's that build-up. Mm. But just make sure you don't let that build-up sort of deter you from actually executing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Last thing I want to ask you before I let you go. Already. I know, we're already at the end. Is, what does success mean to you? Because I think for many people listening who will look at Ange, they'll think he's very successful. And of course, I do as well. But I think success is a personal thing. So when people look at others and think that they're successful, they're just coming from their own definition. So yeah. whether that is wealth, whether it is, you know, how many businesses they have, how many degrees they've studied, whatever def- like forms part of their definition will obviously result in however they, you know, determine other people's success. But I'm curious to know or what would like you to share your definition. Well, early on, so I'm talking when I was a teenager going through high school, my definition of success was having all the money in the world. That was, that was number one. Um, I think that was mainly because of mum and dad. That was the sort of life that they lived. Um, not necessarily, it was more about hard work, work hard, work hard, work hard. Um, this whole idea of struggle, like struggle now so that when you're older, you can enjoy it. You can reap the rewards of your hard work. Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. Um, but I think growing up, I thought that successful meant that you had a lot of money in the bank. Right. Um, so I used to associate, oh, I want to have a million dollars by 25 years old, whatever it Which is. Which would get you nothing in Sydney right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Shoebox in Balmain. But it wasn't until I graduated from uni. Maybe it was actually my last year of uni, but it was either last year of uni or first year out of uni where... I did like a, a business focus group with a friend and mentor of mine, a sports chiro. And one of the first modules of this comp- of this talk was one, understanding your why um, and understanding what success means to you. And he, re- he ran this idea of, you know, like if you ever, and there's nothing wrong with having a financial goal to, to measure success, but I do find that if you have, I want to make a million dollars, then you're, you're constantly chasing this number. Do you know what I mean? So what happens when you hit a million dollars? All right, let's go $2 million. All right, let's go $5 million. Mm-hmm. Let's go $10 million. And before you know it, you just keep pushing that goalpost further and further and further away when it doesn't actually equal that. It doesn't actually, well, for some people it does. Some people are really, really motivated by money. 
Um, and once I do hit that $10 million, whatever it is, then perfect, they're successful. Um, but it did get me thinking about my why. Um, my why in modus, my why in why I'm working and all that type of stuff. Um, and it actually sort of allowed me to take a step back and just be more aware of what I value in success. So now that I think about what success means to me, um, or sorry, like my, my why, let me start on my why first. My why is to obviously build a big business, a big brand. I want to grow a team of leaders and growth, people full of growth mindsets so that we can help as many people as we can, um, whatever that is, through education, through the, the hands-on therapy, with rehab, whatever it is. Now, in regards to success, then obviously setting these these large goals is a is a is a pillar or is a, a factor of the success once we do hit them but ultimately that success brings more time it brings more freedom and so now i look at time as a obviously a really expensive currency relationships and connection human connection so with yourself with mum and dad with your family with my friends um, without obviously out of friends greater friends measuring the relationship and connection as, as that currency as well as a measure of success as well. So working on the business, work on these goals are a mean to, to gain more time. Having more time will allow us to build bigger connections um, and bigger connections will give us the memories and, and the moments that we want in, that, in our life. So, Yeah, I think it's nice to break down success to a, a two-tier factor, looking at your why, because then your why defines your success. Because I feel like for a lot of people, success is like the end goal, right? Yeah. It's like, when you're successful, what would that life look like? But your why will determine all the things you do along the way. Um, I'm gonna add my two cents in, in the whole concept of success, because I, in saying that, I realized like, I don't think success is actually an end goal, even though that's how we position it a lot of the time. No. I think success is something that is ongoing because it depends where you're at in life. So for me, for example, now success with the podcast might be reaching X amount of, of viewers or, or downloads every single week. Yep. But once I get that, that goalpost is going to move. And so that's when the why becomes so crucial because my why is to motivate and inspire people to own their own balance. And so if I'm doing that to 10 people or to 10,000 people, I'm still successful. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I think success comes into play when we're looking at our own personal goals and motivators and what we what what life we actually want for ourselves. So we both want more time. We want more freedom in terms of how we can spend our Monday to Friday, how we can spend our hours in the day, when we can train, when we can spend time with loved ones, those sorts of things. So I think it's I think it's a really cool way to look at success by defining it through the lens of your why, because then I think that will also help you focus your goals to get to where you want to be and also give you the flexibility to change it along the way because if your why changes like your balance yeah i always say like you have to be flexible with these things because what you want and when you get it you, it may not be actually what you want or it may not feel you know when you when you know when you get something and you're like oh that didn't really feel like how i thought it was going to yeah. or it feels great for like one day and then you're over it like the hedonic treadmill type yeah. thing um so I think you need to be really flexible with that and be comfortable like redefining your why, continue to revisit it and feel free to edit those goals or that definition as you go. Yeah. And in saying that too, like we've always sort of thrown that that um, idea out there or like I know it's something that I've vocalized to you now, especially in those times where, and this is how deep we go into, into gratitude. 
when things do get overwhelming and you remind you remind yourself that hey this is all self-inflicted you've you've put all this <laughs> on your, yourself you can stop this at any time you want he literally says that to me on a <laughs> yeah. day self-inflicted but. yeah it's all self-inflicted <laughs> you can stop this at any time you want um but something that i constantly remind myself is if if everything stopped right now the business stayed at where it was um like the podcast stayed at where it was and everything that we've been working towards stayed exactly where it was I'm completely happy and in some degree measure this as a success in itself because like I said it's because of those connections it's because of looking at the achievements that we've we all the things that we've built the lessons um, we've learned the lessons we've learned the connections that we've built like I, I keep going back to that one as well but again having that perspective and understanding that that this idea of success isn't like a, a one thing do you know what I mean because if you have that one thing then you sort of you achieve it and then what next yeah, you feel there's a bit that aimless. sort of emptiness or mm. that sort of like yeah you're lost i worked so hard to get this one thing now i've got it now what mm. so it's again for me it's like i'm just and i'm sure you're the same person as well when we say we want more freedom i'm the type of person where i never i'll never stop working mm. but i've changed the relationship with work as well work is not just trading time for money and literally just rocking up and doing the same mundane things it's it's about growing it's about you know, making your relationships it's about um, empowering the team that I have on board. It's about, you know, creating new opportunities and all that type of stuff. So why would I want to stop that? Yeah. So if you look at success now, then like I've said to you many a times, or success and like in this notion, like we are quite successful now because if everything stopped, I'm, I'm happy as it is. Yeah, we're content with we're, the life that we're living. And everything else that we're working towards is for fun. It's um, extra, it's a bonus. And really it's... And tying it back to this idea of balance, that's why we actually struggle to stop because we just had so much fun doing it. How many opportunities has the podcast brought you? Mm. How many awesome speakers have you had on board where you could, you, I can't think of them at the top of my head, but how many people that you've had on board where you've just been super excited to even have them have yeah. a conversation with them. And now you've built those connections with those people that, you know, you guys talk on Instagram, you guys talk um, on a personal level now mm. um, with ES Fit, for instance with uh, what you and Simone have both built the opportunities that that brought you like mm. it's 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 fun it's not and like you guys are still so early in your in your career but you just guys are having so much fun with it so mm. yeah it's 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 ongoing success is i guess for me more time freedom um to i guess create more opportunities to continue building the things that we're building in other ways um building more deeper stronger connections and memories very nice now, before I let you go, I thought it would be uh, insightful, since you probably know me the best out of everyone in this world, to share maybe... Well, hang on, I'll go first. I'm going to share something with everyone about you that most people may not know about you, and then we can switch roles and you can take the red tape off. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So one thing a lot of you may not know about Anj, which is borderline insanity in my opinion, but that is totally irrelevant, is that he's doing a 365-day training challenge and a light walk doesn't count. Actually, I just realized we haven't done one today yet. We haven't exercised. Yeah, that's right. It's mentally thanks. I'm not making that mistake again. <laughs> what we did the other week, we actually got back from... That was only on Sunday last week. Brisbane. We got back from Brisbane very late in the afternoon and we had like gone around, seen the family, we came home, unpacked, made dinner, we prepared everything for the week, we did all our washing and it was literally 10 p.m. and he looks at me and he goes... That was later than that. I think I was like, we're in 10, the bathroom 20. brushing our teeth at like quarter, to, goes, no, quarter to 11. I haven't trained yet. And I was just like, oh, well, like whatever, just double train tomorrow. And he's like, no, I'm going. 
got got his headphones and literally went for a run at like 10 30 and we were just about to get into bed like yeah, and i am so in awe of that because you're just very committed and i will admit i have not been that supportive i just think sometimes you just think i'm crazy that's all well, so were, ba- background you know. story background <laughs> story which i do agree with and it's if i wasn't doing the challenge i definitely would be taking rest but i had one of my best mates uh we had his bucks party that i organized on the best man uh down in byron bay in end of march and it was just a, a wild weekend late nights early starts still training so no matter how much of a big day the big <laughs> night we had the night before would wake up would go for a run would still be training but me thinking that I was superhuman, think thought that I could come back on Sunday and then continue my routine as if nothing ever happened that weekend. So training in the morning, 10 hour day in the in the clinic and straight back into Business it. Business as usual. Business as usual. So I ended up for the first time in seven years getting sick on Easter. Long story short, um, I then it took me about a week and a half, two weeks to actually get to the doctor's. Um, once I saw the doctor, he just said to me, you know, you've been battling pneumonia. And that's when I just laughed at myself. And I was just like, as bad as that was, like I said, I'm not. And I, I also trained through pneumonia. We were, I was, I remember that sick day that I even had off. I was in a jumper, shivering. Like forced him that it had to be a walk that day. And Eric and I, luckily you came with me because it would have been tough on my own. But still went and did a 40 minute walk, shivering um, straight back to the gym the next day or two days after that. And constantly training through pneumonia so it took me about four weeks to get over that um, and in like I said in hindsight now if I wasn't doing that challenge I would definitely be resting um, but as well it just shows that you know you can push through things as, as sick as you are <laughs> and it's a bad example because it's not it's not the best thing to be doing for yourself but it just goes to show that mental toughness and like when you when you do put your mind to something um, I constantly had Erica in my corner being like babe just just chill out just rest today you're sick just stay home and it actually got to the point where i got really frustrated because i'm just like why are these people trying to tell me not to do this challenge like i'm set out to do this challenge rain hail shine i'm I'm out there i'm doing this challenge and i'm going to train every single day this this year so almost almost six months through almost halfway through the year looking forward to finishing this off but yeah carry it all the way through well that's something a lot of you may not know about him mike over to you let loose (laughs) so something about erica few things actually a few all right (laughs) the biggest thing that i think it's actually something that gets on my nerves and i'm going to tell everyone all right it's uh (laughs) erica's erica's awesome memory oh i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) so i'm I'm someone that likes to think i've got a really good memory long-term memory attention to detail all that type of stuff um but and so because of that i struggle when i hear the same story five times in the same week about something significant that's happened in Erica's life. So definitely... Overshare Yeah, definitely the memory. Um, but in her defense, she says, like, she will remember very important things and the day-to-day things you just don't even absorb because it's, it's just... The a, thing is, my in my defense, yeah, I feel like it. I don't have a lot of space in my brain. Yeah. And so the space I've got... If it's, something, head, yeah. if it's something small, it's not reserved capacity. I may say it a few times. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So the memory. Um, important things you've got. I've got it. I've got they, it in my calendar. <laughs> they, yeah. Well, that's what your calendar's pumped. It, it's <laughs> full. It's always full. Um, and the other one is Erica loves going to bed with socks, even if they're really, really loose and they're not even, hanging, they're not even <laughs> sticking on her feet. She'll go to bed with a sock half on. <laughs> 
it's not, no, they're, <laughs> not, all, they're not all now. Um, we actually, but, I was talking to my sister the other day. I was like, far out. I don't know the last time I bought socks. I think I've just been like taking yours from the wash. I don't even know why. It's not like I don't buy stuff for myself. I just, the socks, like I've got heaps with holes in them. Like, I don't know. Just, colors I just like, like hold on to them. But I guess to the point where it's thing. like, are you even wearing socks? Yeah, like, I don't You know. may as well not be wearing anything because your toes out there. Well, anyway, we, we bought some new socks last weekend. So, but well yes, I'm a... That's one of my downfalls. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're a little bit nervous coming on, but as I said to you, you're a natural. And once you get, you know, like true to everything you've said today, once you get the ball rolling, you planned a little bit, not over planned, like things just come out. You've got a lot to give. And so really you'd be doing a disservice to people by not sharing your info so thanks for coming on and if people want to finally having me oh that's okay and if people want to connect with you or i guess chat with you about anything we've spoken about today or even come into the clinic maybe come in for an initial consult um i'll I'll definitely pop a link to the website below but where's the best place they can contact you personally uh so instagram my instagram handle is unge campanella cairo so a-n-g-c-a-m-p-a-n-e-l-l-a C-H-I-R-O. Talking about spelling bank. Yep. <laughs> and so that's my personal. And then we've got the business page at uh, the handle is This Is Modus. I'll put both of those in the in the show notes so yep. you don't have and, to um, rewind. Website, <laughs> thisismodus.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you again. I know everyone would have gotten a lot out of today and won't be the last time I have you on. Thank you for finally getting me on. You're welcome. And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop. So you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam. We promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>